0: Alright, so um, the question was brought up, and I think it's a good question, and it's interesting because the more I delved into chapter 9, the more I realized how, I mean, he brings up this idea of fellowship and, what it, and, and um, um, how that plays into discipline. And so I really think it's important for us to try to understand exactly what is fellowship. Um, I'll just start off by saying, first of all, fellowship... Um, is the English word that's translated from the Greek word koinonia. All right, The word in and of itself is not a spiritual word. It was a word that was used in um, modern day or in, in, in a, a normal daily Greek language. However, when we find this word in the Bible, it denotes something different than what um, maybe it meant on a business level because it was a lot of times it was used on a business level talking about a partnership okay? so businesses um, two people that would go into business together back then would use the word koinonia, right? they had this partnership but we see even though similar concepts we see a little different um, um, I think definition of the word from a spiritual standpoint it's a little deeper obviously than, than just a, a, a business level type of, of understanding of what uh, koinonia, what fellowship is So let's take just a few minutes and let's talk a little bit about fellowship in and of itself. What does it mean? Um, And then I want to talk about why it's important and why it's important, especially when we're talking
1: about discipline. So, Tony. Well, I'm not a Greek scholar of any sort, and I always hate it when people bring up Greek. Great. <laughs> kind of that, kind of that etymology of that word though also kind of comes from like koine greek that common greek right mm-hmm. and so like you just think about that of like that's kind of the basis of like where this the root words coming from is commonality so right. like they're in uh, acts chapter uh, 2 3 and 4 they had all things common you know <clears throat> i mean just imagine like everybody not only spoke the so, same language but that everybody had everything in common what what does that even begin to mean um, because I've, I've heard that term of like well that's the honeymoon phase and you're like well, so the best part or the the pinnacle of commonality and relationship between people is that's your honeymoon like wow like Shouldn't get better. Uh, we, we're celebrating right? our yeah. our seventh our seventh anniversary today, and it's like so seven years ago. That was the best our relationship could have been, but not what it can be. You know, growing after right. seven years like that's not the that's not like that's never ne- you would never put a relationship like that. Of like it was only the best at the very beginning, right? Like it should grow from that. You know, that that's like just a a quick burst of something that. It should be more of. Okay, all right, that's good, that's good. It's interesting that this word
0: is actually a noun and a verb. It's used both ways, all right? So fellowship is a thing, and it is a verb. We can fellowship. We can do something, all right? So kind of goes to what Tony was saying. We have fellowship at the beginning of a marriage, but then we fellowship within that marriage... And it just continues to grow, and it continues to get better, right? Okay.
2: Gary? I think of the term joint participation. Okay. When we help another congregation financially, we're, we are engaged in fellowship with them.
3: <coughs> joint participation. Okay. Great. And even that example in Acts... You know, it does say that they had all things in common, but earlier in the chapter it said they were all speaking different languages, they were from different parts of the world, like they they didn't all look or, or act or talk the same, but the things that were important, they had those things in common and acted like they lived among each other, like okay. they were all the same.
0: Okay, all right.
3: Good food is a universal language.
1: Yeah. Sharing is, is Sharing, a definition. Sharing. Okay. I've heard a lot.
0: Kind of going back to that idea of in Acts 2, right? Communion.
1: I'm Communion. <laughs> Communication. Communication.
4: Relationship for one thing,
5: too. <clears throat> Relationship
6: Accord or agreement.
0: Friendship. Friendship.
3: A body. and I guess you could put it under joint participation, we can have fellowship in suffering as well. So sometimes okay. Sometimes we're, we're sharing and enjoying things that are wonderful and good, and sometimes we're sharing together in difficult
0: Okay. In so we can look at this sharing and joint, particip- sharing and joint participation in various things, right? <laughs>
1: so we can do it in suffering. I mean, doesn't uh, that sound like wedding bells, though, too? Of... Uh... Sickness and, and health, and right? Richard or more.
0: sickness, health. Dot dot dot, right?
4: Would you put responsibility and accountability under that or not?
0: No, I think so. I think so. Because basically, we're kind of defining the noun, right? But now we can also define well. Maybe some of this was is verb. Yeah, but um, that would reasons.
4: include. Uh, right. Be part of some of those things. Right. Anyway. <coughs>
2: okay. So, in all these things, we're relating our fellowship within the body of Christ, which would necessitate that. Like the old, the old illustration of the triangle, you have God at the top. As long as we have a connection, a communication, a contract with God, then we will have the right fellowship going across the bottom with another person that is in okay fellowship with God in connection with God. Okay, all right.
0: Yeah, I think that we'll we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Is where is the where is the centrality of fellowship, right? And I think that's where, that's where that comes in. The centrality of fellowship is God and Christ. Do me a favor. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 17. John 17. I want to take a look at the prayer. Um, a lot of times commentaries will call this the high priestly prayer. But the prayer that John made for his disciples and mm-hmm. for his believers. And I want us to consider what Jesus says in the idea of fellowship, beginning with verse 20. And I would like to read 20 through 23. John, back off, would you read that? John 17, 20 through 23.
5: I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one.
0: Uh, One more, more,
5: 23. And I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me, and uh, love them even as you love me. Okay, so even though the word fellowship is not used here,
0: I see this idea of of unity, which we haven't put up here yet. I think that's another one. But it's a specific unity. And What does he talk about here? What is the unity that Christ is praying for, for his disciples and for his believers and for those who will believe in and on him even in the future?
2: Gary? That the harmony that Jesus had with his father and that his apostles will ultimately have with him that the rest of the world will fall into suit and have that same harmony of believing the same thing okay. and, and acting on that belief by doing the same thing. Okay,
0: alright.
6: think It does talk about that they may be one in us and I think that goes back to the Relationship with God that believers share—that is certainly one, if not the primary basis of fellowship.
0: Right, right, yeah. And it goes—I think that's right. It goes back to what Gary was saying a little bit, a couple minutes ago, that the centrality of fellowship is God. Right? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the centrality of fellowship, as used in the Scripture here is that we are common in Christ. We have commonality. We participate and share Christ with each other, and Christ we allow Christ to share with us. We commune. We have communication, companionship. We're one, unity. We have a relationship. We have agreement. We, we have a friendship there. We are a body. There's a responsibility and accountability as we are one in Christ. And so I think as we look at the word fellowship, and I want us to keep talking about this here for a little bit, but as we look at this word fellowship, why is it important? Why is it important that we understand what fellowship means? Because I'll tell you right now, sometimes the world will want to say that fellowship includes anything and everything, and to a degree it can, as we interact with each other, but is there a sense of fellowship that the scripture talks about that is deeper than just let's go to lunch after services today is that a form of fellowship absolutely that's a form of fellowship is there anything wrong with that fellowship no there's nothing wrong with that fellowship are we encouraged to do that absolutely we're encouraged to do that but why are we encouraged to do do that
4: to know each other
0: to know each other and encourage. Do strengthen and encourage each other. In it's an
4: extension of our common belief and mission.
0: It's ex- yeah, it's an extension of our common belief and mission. Mission, that's right, Robin.
4: It allows us to support each other.
0: Okay, we can support each other. That's right. Part of this idea of fellowship is when I want to talk about this idea of joint participation and sharing because a lot of times we think that. We're gonna share like in X2. They shared everything. Had everything in common. Right? They shared all their physical needs. So if someone has a need, we share. I don't think this group has a problem with that at all. I think we do that so well. But what else might sharing involve from a fellowship standpoint that would be beneficial more than just material and physical needs?
1: Time. Time. That's no, like the worst one, right? The hardest one to give up. I mean, I, I can give you twenty bucks, but I mean, more than twenty minutes of my time—an hour, two hours, all yeah. day. Yeah, that's worth a lot I of got, I twenty gotta plan, I got to plan that out if I'm going to be invited to someone's house for an hour. You know, right? Like we got to schedule this three months in advance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, that, no time. T- t- I that's think that's yeah.
1: How, that's how, especially common common America <clears throat> mentality. I mean, the invention of the commonality of clocks that uh, we're all run by those things. Well what's we a common don't phrase how much, how much that involves?
0: What's a common phrase in business about time? time is money. time money. is money that's right. time is money. Robin um,
4: when, when we study the Bible together we can grow in our faith and in our knowledge.
0: okay all right. so we share study together that's right.
5: You know, our knowledge of God, we share that with each other. Okay. Because we don't all know God the same. Uh, we have various levels of appreciation understanding of how he has shown himself to us through the world. That's right. And I think along with
0: that as well, I'm going to throw in, we also share our talents. Because we don't all have the same talents as well, right? We're all one body but we're all different parts of the body. You know, that, I mean, does such a phenomenal job in the scriptures about talking about the body and, and you know, the eye and the hand and the foot. And we're not all the same, but, but we all will we provide specific um, needs that the body has. Um, and I, I think we can share that with each other too, our talents. Right? Maybe, maybe I'm not the best preacher. But, you know, I can sing loud, so I can lead songs, right? Um, maybe um, maybe you're not the best something, but you're really good at this, and somebody else is not good at that, but we can share that with each other. This is, this, this is all included in this idea of fellowship, right? What else can we share and have, have joint participation
5: in? John. Uh, Philippians two one, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. So there's a couple of words that go follow right along with fellowship. We share our affection, our compassion with one another. Okay. All right. Very good. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. So what does he say right after that? Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Yeah, and then
1: he goes on to talk about that having or esteeming one another as more important than yourself. Right. Right. I'd have a hard time fellowshipping with someone who always keeps putting me first. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the people we want to be with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: What else? These are all great points. What else can we share or have participation in? David?
6: Sharing one another's burdens.
0: Sharing one another's burdens. Yeah, John brought that up. Sharing one another's burdens. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one.
6: And that's not just money or physical things.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Robin?
4: I received more than 250 cards at the passing of my husband. And that was a sharing of the burden. Every
0: part, and every part lifted the burden a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's the old adage, right? Shared joy is twice the joy. Shared sorrow is half the sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So we share in one another's burdens. If we have fellowship with one another, when you're hurting, I can hurt with you. When you're rejoicing... I can rejoice with you. What else? Now, I know we're not going into in depth on what these, you know, how these end, but, but I think we will when we get into this idea of how it relates to discipline. What else can we share in? Our, what might some of our burdens be? Because I think it probably falls in this, but it's one of these things that I think that because we're so private, because we're so I can take care of it attitude, we don't want to share what?
2: Shortcomings,
0: sins. Our shortcomings, our sins, our struggles. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It falls under that idea of burdens, I think. But I'm going to tell you what. If we have true fellowship with one another, then when I'm struggling, I'm going to know who I can go to and say, Craig, I've got this issue. It's a struggle for me. I need you to help me, right? Would you be my accountability partner? Would you pray for me? Would you study with me on this? Knowing that when I go to Craig and tell him that, it'll go no further, right? Unless, of course, I decide not to change, and I decide to make a decision that, you know, thanks for all the help I asked for, but fooey on you. I'm not going to do it anyway. So when we think of fellowship, it's more, it's deeper than just, you know, having a meal together. It's deeper than calling someone on the phone. Those are, those are acts of fellowship. But they're acts of fellowship because we have the central bond in Christ. And I think, that, I think if we can keep that in mind, the central bond in Christ, if we keep that in mind, then when we think about fellowship, it should always go back to there. That's why it's difficult when we use the term, maybe sometimes, withdrawing Fellowship. Because do we, or how do we, or can we, or should we, ever withdraw that common bond in Christ that we have with someone? Or are there specific parts of fellowship, when it comes to discipline, that play a role, but we still have a common centrality in Christ. So if someone has become a Christian and they're an erring Christian, there's still a centrality in Christ, a relationship that we have in that this person has put on Christ, I have put on Christ, I've got this relationship that should be focused, It should be centered on Christ, and that has got to be my focus when it comes to this idea of discipline and fellowship. How do I make sure or repair, or maintain that relationship in Christ. It goes back to this idea of restoration, right? I think so many times, and there again, I'm not going not, not to talk about all the, all the things that we, you know, that, that discipline we can and can't do. We'll get to some of those in some of the other chapters. But, but so many times we focus on the external, little external ancillary things that we think comprise fellowship, and we don't keep bringing it back to the central focus, and that is Christ and our relationship with him and the person's relationship with Christ. John.
5: Is it possible we have complicated or confused the matter with the phrase, "withdraw fellowship? I 100% when, believe so. When that is not actually
0: ever stated in the Bible? It's never stated in the Bible. That's right. That's right. And that's something I want us to kind of think about. It's probably a paradigm shift, maybe, for us. (coughs) Because we have always heard the term, withdraw fellowship. If my fellowship is with Christ, how do I withdraw that from somebody else? There again, I'm not saying there aren't certain things that we can do to help facilitate that. But does withdrawing fellowship really mean I can't do this, 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 and this, and this with you because I'm withdrawing. That's that's withdrawing fellowship. Is that really withdrawing fellowship? And should a different term or a different thought process be used, but probably more term to understand exactly what we mean when we get into this ultimate aspect
1: of discipline. Yeah, it's kind of like, though, trying to describe something like it's it's almost ethereal. You know, it's the essence of what's there, and we're trying to use all these words to describe that. It's like an orange, but like you've never had an orange before, so how would you describe that? You describe like the peel and the taste and the texture, things like that, but like, but that's not an orange like there's other things like that yeah yeah but it's these all things kind of working together there's this there's this thing that you're like but when you know it you know it, right you can't forget it you're like i've had an orange and i know exactly what that tastes like you know and i know what that you know that that zest you know whenever you peel it open all those things describing that and so it's kind of like john reading from philippians that that that, having the same mind heart that, that's that's what the essence is that's what that core is and it's just how these things are externally manifested that change and shift but it hasn't changed what that core is and so it's just like disciplining your children and you, you tell them you know you have to go sit on your sit on your bed well I've now removed my fellowship of, of my time spent with them but well no like you're, to your point I've not removed fellowship from them it's just there's external things that have to shift around now, but that it's, there's still a relationship there. You haven't you haven't really broken that.
0: That's right. That's right. And I think maybe that's that's where I think you use that word relationship right there. I think that's that's kind of the key there, right? There's this relationship. There's that heart. Right. Right. So so even if a person once had put on Christ. And they're living in sin. We still have a relationship. It may not, you know, we may not be communicating and 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 doing everything that we once did together, but there's still a relationship that we once had that we 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 can't break, right? There's this relationship in Christ. And it's this like you said, this ethereal thing. How do we describe that? How do we how do we define that? How do we understand that? And with relationship comes responsibility, just like with a parent and a child, right? And with responsibility then um, um, comes actions that we I think should always continue to try to take so that the relationship that is there becomes whole. A relationship can be can be um, unwhole. <laughs> I don't want to say completely broken, because sometimes we, we we think that means severed completely. But in this case, a relationship can become um, fractured. Let's say fractured. And we have a responsibility to try to make that whole. And we can't do that if there is no relationship. And we have a relationship in Christ that then allows us to continue to try to to... Heal that fracture and make it whole again. David?
6: Can a Christian break their own relationship with Christ?
0: That's a good question. Uh-huh. Because... And I think that's
1: a key to understanding this.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they can.
1: I mean, kind of I mean Romans eight, what's of, that? Kind of like Romans 8, you know, what can separate from the
2: love of Christ. Right. But the one thing I, that's not on that list is what David just brought up. We can break that relationship with him.
0: We can fracture it, but can't we ever, ever break it? Can't can we sever it? I mean, I, I'm not talking about my salvation at this point. I'm talking about the fact that once I am in Christ...
1: Yeah, I may throw him off, but it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Right.
2: right. But what, right. Is, what is a key... set? Uh, what is a, What happens when you sin? Sin separates... There's, there's death involved. Yeah, That's, I mean, that we're talking about something <clears throat> a little bit right. different about that. But. Right. When, I mean, going back to John, when Jesus was teaching, <laughs> when Philip asked, you know, show us the Father, he said, have you been with me for so long? I am in the Father, the Father is in me. They had that, that type of a relationship because as we read later on in that <coughs> right there Jesus said I do not seek to do my own will I seek to do my father's will and he was teaching his apostles that's the first requirement to be a christian deny yourself say like I've been saying not my will be done but your will be done to god so as long as we have that fellowship with god in harmony with him s- submitting ourselves to him we have that relationship and just as there's truth and there's there's falsehoods or lies I think there's true fellowship, and there's false fellowship. So, as long as we're doing God's will, submitting our will to His, we have that fellowship. If another brother alongside us has that same relationship with God, then we have a cross-fellowship relationship, because we're in harmony with God. But, if he's, if he's sinning, he's not living right with God, he's, he's breaking that relationship, and then he, when his sin is found out, it's going to put a, a wedge between us, also. Because we cannot, just as the whole premise of this course is, we cannot allow the leaven to stay in the church and have it be holy. We have to separate ourselves from that.
0: Right. And I'm not, and I'm not disputing that at all. What I want us to think about, though, is consider this. If, if we can truly, 100%, sever our relationship with Christ, then the only way for me to ever get that back is to be baptized back into christ again if that if that relationship was severed but that's not the case is it because i because there is a fractured relationship and and there again doesn't mean that i'm right with with god but because there is a fractured relationship then i have an avenue or a means by repenting of those sins and healing that relationship again if it was 100% severed and fractured or severed and broken and the only way, and I am totally out of Christ, the only way I could ever get back in is to be again baptized back into Christ again. And we don't we, we, we don't understand it that way. We understand that we have a relationship, it's fractured, it's broken. Yes, there are consequences to that fracture, I'm not denying that at all, but there's still a relationship there in that in that through through um, uh, repentance and asking for forgiveness it can be made whole again not like I was before I was put into Christ or I put on Christ through baptism otherwise the way that I would understand it then I would need to put on Christ again through baptism to make myself whole again David? Maybe a good
6: way to look at it Uh, once a son always a son I'll give you that Uh, but it's, I think it's possible for a son to no longer be in line for the inheritance oh absolutely, yeah just, I agree absolutely. just like physically absolutely. I have children and they will always be my children but I could choose to disinherit one or more of them and so they would not receive the benefits in that way.
7: okay
0: I think I think I, I think that's weird. a good I think that's a good way to look at it, right? Right. Once a son always a son, once a child always a child. All right. Robin? Sorry about the question. But no.
4: Even if you're disinherited, are you still that person's child? Is Absolutely. You can't yeah. Change?
0: No, you cannot change that. Once a son always a son, you could be
4: denied right? The benefits of that relationship but right. you can't be denied. No one can come to you and say you're not my child anymore.
0: If God did not love us as children when we err, he would not discipline us, right? I mean, if we're, in, if, if we're erring, if we're in sin, and God disciplines us, it's because we are his child and he loves us. That's right.
1: So, and I, so then to your point, I'm, I'm not Frosty's dad. I'm not his father. I'm not his eternal father. And if his fraternal father has that relationship with him, what can I then say about my brother relationship between us? You know, is it not? Then your your point is the very same thing, right? Right. You're just trying to get to that, right? Of like, right. Okay. Right. So if that's how God deals with us. Then how how then are are do we think of our relationship with someone? Right. That that is trying. To
0: well, we use the term erring brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, erring brother. So, once a brother, always a brother, but that relationship can be fractured. It can be fractured. And there are consequences to actions and to the fracture. But it all comes back to this idea, I think, of fellowship and this oneness in Christ and the fact that... that um, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about how this is and why it's important in... Discipline, without necessarily going into specifics, you know, as far as how we do things, but, but why it's really important. Frosty?
7: Well, over the years, you know, I, I wasn't brought up in the church. So uh, the but withdrawing fellowship, you know, that to me we're not going to mm-hmm. associate with you anymore at first. Right. And now, you know, we have an obligation to try to repair or re- bring that person back into the fold, so, if you sever your fellowship with them, how are you going to do that? How can you begin to try to repair something if you... you don't touch it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't fix an air compressor if I don't go touch it, you know, <laughs> put hands on
1: it. Right, <laughs> right, right. You may hate
0: that air compressor, but... Yeah. Oh,
7: I know. <laughs> Trust me. There's, there's days. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you don't have some kind of relationship, you, you, you can't... Right, right. But it and doesn't it, mean it, that
1: the relationship is exactly it, the
7: same, it, it? just says, looks different. It looks a little different, but right. there's still that. And that's core. what we're commanded to do is to bring souls to
5: restoration, life. right? Restoration. John, Paul used extreme language. Uh, we've we've used the word "sever" already in Galatians. Paul says, "If you if you uh, teach, require circumcision." He basically says you have been severed from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Those are, those are words we have to we have to, you know, try to put into the, this mix as we understand our relationship with God. You know, in fact, to Gary's comments. Can can is there something I can do? Well, Paul used he used cut off language there. You know how's that restore, you know, does it require, you know, baptism again? We, we have to put all of the teachings that, we, that we've that we been given together, uh, but it's just, it's, it's, I think it's noteworthy that he used that kind of language in that situation at least. And he
3: uses similar language in Romans when he talks about by the Jews' disobedience, they were cut off from the branch. But God God can do the impossible and graft anyone back in who wants to turn to Jesus back in. So, uh, I do agree. There, there's this balance of there is not this finality of I'm going to do this this sin and I'll never have an opportunity again. Like right. uh, repentance is no longer available for me. No, as, as long as there's breath in me, I have the choice to repent and God. God can miraculously put that thing back together that seemed impossible to once put it back together. Um, but we do have to acknowledge, Jesus used the same terminology when he was you know, preaching in his ministry, that the, those branches that are not bearing fruit are going to be cut off and burned up. But God in his, his graciousness does allow those branches t- to be grafted back in and put back in and right. attached back to the source. Right. Um
0: yeah. You know, there again, I'm. You know, please don't think that I'm saying that that there aren't consequences and there aren't um, uh, uh, dire, in many cases, dire consequences to the fact that um, that you know that, that the relationship is fractured. Because I I totally totally believe that, totally believe that. Um, but yet, but yet, there is still. You know, well, we've—I don't want to be a dead horse. We've talked about it a lot, um, and I think I think maybe we're probably all saying the same thing.
1: Again, but there's there's a thing in the middle, and we're all dancing around with with words of trying to grasp around this, but like there's not a word that says that.
0: Right, right, right. So I think we're we're probably all saying the same thing, and we're all thinking the same thing, but yet um, maybe in some of the words, it's. Coming across a little bit different, maybe you know, when I say fracture, I mean one thing, and you hear with the word fracture, and you hear another. So you know, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think it still goes back to the centrality of where is fellowship? Fellowship is in Christ. And I
4: think um, Paul again in First Corinthians five five, you know, really kind of covers both ends of that when he says, <coughs> "I decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh." You don't get much more extreme sounding than that. And then he says that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So he, within that really extreme language, still um, expresses the goal of salvation of this person. And, I, you know, if we can wrap our heads around both of those, that can help us figure out, you know, what... right, How to actually implement this, although I'm still super confused, <laughs> frankly. But... Um, you know yeah it is important I mean the sum of his word is truth and we do have to remember all of that language and I think when it is expressed in very extreme terms it's whatever writer he's saying at the time trying to reemphasize how devastating sin is and that we are not to take it lightly and but yes I'm still struggle with how to apply all of that in my relationship with this particular
0: person. Um, right. So right. And don't you think that was one of the points of the the parable of the prodigal son? Right. The fact that, and you know, we've talked about this that even though the son fractured that relationship with his father, he was still his son. The father did not condone. The father did not. Support the son when he was off doing his thing, um, as far as sending him more money when he, you know, because he was destitute and he needed help. But he waited, and when the son came back to ask for that fracture to be healed, the father goes back to what Craig says. You know, the father willingly took that fractured component and said, "Yes, I am willing because you are willing to be one again." Gary and then Craig.
2: I think what we've been beating around is we're, we're going to have fellowship, but it's going to be a, it's going to look a lot different. Absolutely. If 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 a family, you know, our son comes over for dinner on Thursday nights, we have two sons. If the other one was in town and he was sitting, the one son would still come over for dinner, but the other one would know that he wasn't welcome to come over for dinner until he straightened himself out. I may still go and visit him that day and say. You know, hey son, I'm concerned about you. I miss getting together with you. How are you doing? I'm praying for you. You know, have you, have you resolved this in your, in your heart with God and repented? If, he's, if he continues to go down the road he's going down, I'm going to say, well, it's, it's time for us to get together for dinner. You know, well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll come back to you. And we explained to our sons when they were young, if you guys go to the world, it's going to put a severe wedge between our relationship. It's not going to be the same and a lot, of, a lot of times families will just keep inviting people over for dinner or parties or whatever and not say anything to them so everything functions as normal where they're just coming and enjoying the, the hospitality, the food, the good time, the party, the friendships. and it, it, That puts a stumbling block in other Christians that have been invited to that same party. It's like, well, why is so and so here? He's he's, he's non repentant. He's not living. He's not walking the walk. Okay. So it, it, it has to be. It has to be different.
0: I agree. I agree. There has to be, there has to be a difference. And the idea is there has to be, um, a difference to try to, to encourage a hurt in them. And I don't mean punishment, but a hurt in them in that they're missing something and they want it back and there's only one way to get it back right Craig
3: and that's what we see God doing throughout the old testament God actually told his people I'm going to inflict pain on you and then I'm going to heal you you know I'm going to send you away and he gets really graphic as far as how how harmful that will be to them how much it will hurt them. but throughout you know You know, Jeremiah and Lamentations and those things. There are these glimpses of, I'm doing this because my heart is aching for you. I want you to return. I'm going to have to inflict some discipline on, some pain on you. Um, And it's not that God is saying, I'm washing my hands of you. I never want to see you again. There's this constant reminder of, "You're, you're my people. I made this promise with you. I want you to come back to me. And I'm willing to inflict some pain on you temporarily. To help you change your mind. And that's what love looks like.
0: Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And it's
3: hard. It's hard to do. To see
0: that. Yeah. God never stops loving his. Even when they reject him, he still loves them. He doesn't love what they're doing. He doesn't condone what they're doing. But he loves them and he wants them to return. And I think when we think about fellowship, when we think about the centrality in Christ, it stems from God's love for those he calls his. Those who have put on Christ, those who once professed their love for him, God has said, I will love you forever. It doesn't mean there won't be consequences for your sin. It doesn't mean that there won't be Problems. It doesn't mean that there won't be discipline from me, from God to you. It doesn't mean that I won't use my, um, my, um, I'll call them emissaries, Christians, to also inflict discipline. I hate that word inflict. To do discipline on you, right? But I still love you, and that's why I am doing this because I love you. And I think if we, as, and there again, we're not going to get into the chapter, which is fine. I thought we may spend the whole day on fellowship. But if we remember it's about love. It's about God's love for righteousness. It's about God's love for his church, and he wants his church to be holy. And that's what this book is mainly focused about. It's about you know how the church disciplines. We can extrapolate personally how we do that, but I, just, I think it's important we try to keep in mind that during the course of this study, it's about how the church disciplines. But if we keep in mind this idea of love, and if we don't show love in our discipline, I'm going to tell you right now, I think we can do more harm to the person than what they have done to themselves. Because if we're not careful, we can drive a wedge or a stake between that person and Christ that was not there before we started to get involved. If we don't do it with love and and remembering that the centrality of all of this is Christ and his love for us and our love for him. There again. Happens every and we'll talk about this Wednesday night in this chapter, how every situation is different. But I think we have to keep that in mind because if we lose love, we've lost everything.
5: John? The goal is restoration to God, and we are to be that reflection of Christ. And if our if our what we're radiating is not Christ like, then what's going to make them want to go back to God? Because they see us as a reflection of God. Well, I don't want that. Right. So so we've gotta we've gotta play that role so that they will be restored to God as we understand they have broken that relationship with God and we want to help them get back. I think that's right. I think that's right.
0: I will venture to say that. Well, actually, I've seen some that I think probably, but I will venture to say that um, discipline has been done right in many cases. I think discipline has been done grossly wrong in many cases. Not that the person didn't deserve or discipline wasn't required, but the fact that it was meted out in a way that was unloving and in a way that did not reflect the fact that we are should be one in Christ. We we should have fellowship, and I think it goes back to. And I'm going to end with this. It goes back to the fact that if we if we as the church, individual members of the church, individual members of this local body, if we don't have this with each other, centralized in Christ, can we truly discipline in a godlike manner? Because if we don't know a person and if we haven't created, created an atmosphere and if we haven't created a, a, an understanding about the <coughs> love that we have for each other and the fact that I, I would never want to lose this, then we have a problem as well. Um, because no matter how much discipline we do, if a person isn't worried about losing something, what is there to bring them back? So consider fellowship. Consider what it means. Consider how we need to get within, get um, close to each other to the point that that if I thought that I might lose this relationship, it would be a hurt that would be unable that I wouldn't want to bear. And if that's the case, then discipline in the way that God prescribes it, and we see it in the Bible, and the way He disciplines us, I think will work. Hundred percent of the time, no, nothing's hundred percent guaranteed, but it will work. Because God has said it will. But it's all based on, I believe, this concept of fellowship and how we do that to each other before we even get to the,
7: to the aspect of discipline. We'll pick up chapter 9 and do that on Wednesday night. Appreciate your comments.